Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary stranger, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Minimalist filmmaker Mitch Fillion is standing by to discuss his new disguised documentary film about the Paul is Dead legend. The rumor that uh, Paul McCartney was killed in a car crash in 1966 and replaced by an imposter. Then the surviving Beatles supposedly left a series of clues in their album art, most notably the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and in their song lyrics pointing to Paul's death and the imposter or faux Paul. First, let me wish you all a happy, peaceful, healthy, and prosperous New Year. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and Hanukkah. Here's to a great 2017 to you and yours from everyone here on The Conspiracy Show. Let me introduce the boys in the band on the Gibson Flying V guitar, my technical producer, Ian Robertson. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar, and occasionally the theremin, my story producer, Albert Vinzel. Uh, both of you, I, I thank you as, as well for a terrific 2016, and I look forward to working with you in 2017. Uh, a programming note, there is no HOA tonight, no hangout on air, uh, but that will resume in a couple of weeks' time, along with our What's in the Box segment. Uh, next week, incidentally, on the program, Marcus Allen, the publisher of Nexus Magazine, and our very own paranormal investigator, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, will be here. All right, to the main entree we go. Did Paul McCartney really die in a car crash in September of 1966? And was he replaced by an imposter, or was it all just an elaborate hoax? Mitch Fillion is an editor and cinematographer who examines the Paul is Dead rumor in his latest film, Who Is This Now? Mitch Fillion, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Screen the film today, Who Is This Now? A Paul is Dead film. And uh, just, it's a very interesting premise uh, because your character, uh, you, uh, the first time we see you, you're in a record store. That may be the most, you know, fantastical thing uh, that people are still buying vinyl. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, actually, it is making a comeback. But so we see you in a record store and uh, you you begin explaining this whole Paul is dead mystery to a series of people. First, the clerk in the store, and then you go over, over to a friend's house. And so the whole Paul is dead mystery is kind of revealed uh, a piecemeal to these various friends that you encounter, and then you go to uh, work in a grocery store, etc., yeah, etc. Yeah, I'm obsessing over it with everyone I see. <laughs> right. Is that somewhat autobiographical? Is that who you are, an obsessed Beatle fan who is obsessed with this whole Paul is Dead rumor, or was this just <laughs> another another project for you? Well, I kind of let, my, uh, let myself go down these rabbit holes with each new kind of uh, film that I make. I, I've been calling them disguised documentaries because they're kind of shot in this narrative fashion, um, but, you know, they're all real conversations, and it's kind of this, um, you know, uh, alter ego of myself, I guess, uh, you know, just for the, for the couple months that I'm making the film, I'll let myself get really involved in whatever I'm researching, and and it is essentially me for those couple of months, you know, uh, being a crazy person, or... Um, right, and, but, and, but then once it's over, my girlfriend's uh, 
happy that I'm, you know, coming back to reality a bit. All right. <laughs> so it's it, you kind of employ the uh, Lee Strasberg method acting. Uh, so you absolutely uh, allow the, the character and the role to take over your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those not familiar with the whole Paul is dead rumor that really began, from what I understand, with a series of phone calls, one to a rock station in Detroit, another one in New York in the late 60s. Yep, uh, I think it was uh, 69, October 69, and the Russ Gibb radio show, there was some university student that called in and kind of laid the whole thing on the line for yeah, him. Yeah, give us, the, uh, give us the, 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 uh, the chronology, the thumbnail sketch of how the, what the legend or the rumor was that Paul was dead and, and how it was discovered and, and, and then how it sort of took off into this it's really you know it's it's for it's hard for people to understand how difficult it is to st- first start a rumor and then mm-hmm. to keep it going here we are 46 47 years later almost right. five decades later and it's still as strong as ever <laughs> so let's begin with the talk to us give us a timeline or a, a, thumb, a thumbnail sketch of the actual paul is dead legend Okay, so the, uh, the rumor started actually in 1966, I think in uh, February of 1966. Uh, the Beatles had a magazine that they put out, and there was just like a little uh, blurb in there, almost like classified little posting, and it just said false rumor. You know, uh, there's rumors been going around that Paul died in a car crash, but, you know, we've telephoned his home, and he's totally fine, and his, uh, his Mini Cooper's in the garage. Um, but that one really didn't, it didn't really, um, you know, become this worldwide, uh, thing until the Russ, the Russ Gibb radio show in 1969. Um, but yeah, the whole, the whole story is that Paul died in a car accident. It was a rainy night. Um, a lot of people think it was Sunday, September 11th, 1966. And, um, the story goes that He's he's at the studio and it's just um, Brian Epstein and George with him. I think I don't think Ringo is there and and uh, John was off filming uh, a movie in the desert. How, How I, won I won the war. war. That's yep. right in Spain. So yeah. so uh, Brian Epstein assigns Paul five songs that he has to write by the time John's back from filming, which was only a couple months supposedly. And uh, so Paul kind of leaves the studio in a huff because he's all kind of flustered and. Uh, gets into his Aston Martin, and uh, he's driving down the road, and then he picks up this hitchhiker, which many people think is who Lovely Rita is. Ah, from um, the Sgt. Pepper's album, Lovely yeah. Rita, Meter Maid. Yeah, and some people think it might be Donna. Anyways, there's a couple different uh, names for this girl. Um, but anyways, the story goes that he he picks her up, and then once she realizes, once she gets in the car and realizes who this is, it's Paul McCartney, she kind of, you know, loses control of herself, gets overexcited, and distracts Paul, and they go through a red light, and um, and then they're, they're hit broadside by a truck, and then he's decapitated, and they both die in a car fire. He blew his mind out in a car. He hadn't yeah, exactly. noticed that the lights had changed. Yeah. All right. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> we can talk a bit about that song later. We will. Sure. We will, for sure. Let me just remind listeners that uh, Mitch Fillion, a Toronto-area filmmaker, is with us, and his his latest... Uh, disguised documentary, he calls it, uh, is entitled, uh, Who Is This Now? Did I get that right? Who Is This yep. Now? Yep. Uh, what, the, uh, the title, where did that come? Is that a line from a Beatles song or? A, it's, a... um, it's one of the reversed, uh, messages that you hear in, uh, Paul McCartney's, um, 
I don't know what album it's from, but it's from his solo career, and the song is called Gratitude. Oh, um, I love that song. That yeah, Gratitude. I think it's from the the album Memory Almost Full. A Memory Almost Full. It is. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Um, so when you reverse the chorus, it's gratitude, gratitude. You reverse that, and it says, "Who is this now?" Who? Ah, <laughs> it's clear see, as day. It's really creepy. Uh, Billy uh, Billy Shepherd is still, <laughs> still leaving us clues. Here we. Okay, so um, now. Let's pick up again with the the timeline. So, uh, 1966, September or November, depending on um, which sort of dating methodology you use, the American yeah, or the, the U- British. Yeah, UK, because they're getting that date from the kick drum on the, on the cover of Sgt. Pepper. When you mirror Lonely Hearts, it, be, it becomes 111X, he die, with an arrow pointing up to Paul. So, it, uh, you can interpret that as 119 so September 11th, if you use the, the British format for All the right. dates. And we'll come back to the Sgt. Pepper uh, album cover, which is just chock full of these, oh. uh, of these uh, you know, hints, rumor, sure. uh, hints that he's, that he's dead, or clues. Uh, so in the idea, then, is McCartney is killed in this car accident in, in September, uh, driving yep. in his uh, Austin Martin, and then the, uh, the Beatles have to figure out, well, wait a minute, you know, we can't stop this money train uh, mm-hmm. or the management, so we have to find a replacement. Yeah, and I guess I guess the idea was too that they were also um, concerned of what Beatles, how Beatle fans would react, because you know you have these girls who are, uh, I think they were actually just peeing their pants at the sight of Paul, you know, waiting outside in line at the show, and so the Beatle mania was was a real thing, and it was, you know, I think there was some concern that these fans might commit suicide or who knows what, right? So that would was another been, part of why. They had you're right. There would have been going. pandemonium. The Beatles exactly. had just had, had only stopped touring. Their last uh, stop in Candlestick Park in 66. Uh, had they, had they? well, September he dies, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Their last concert at Candlestick was when? Do we know? Uh, I'm not too sure. Was it August or something? August, right. Makes sense. So th- they were just freshly off the road. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Beatlemania is still at its height. For sure. Okay. So then, uh, according to legend, they have to find a replacement. And yeah, and it seems that they did so fairly quick and, you know, looks almost identical to Paul. And as some people say, he's a better songwriter. And um, so... Some some uh, Paul's dead researchers actually think that Paul might have been killed, and they already have this guy waiting, waiting in the wings, um, ready to replace him. Because you know, maybe the real Paul wasn't uh, just his, you know, wasn't in line with the agenda of whoever was uh, behind the Beatles. Some people think Tavistock. Um, right, we've talked about that on this program for sure. Yeah, uh, I think John Coleman. He's like a former MI6 guy in his in his book. Um, the Committee of 300, he talks about the Beatles being this product of Tavistock, and, you know, they're this whole social engineering organization. Um, right, to introduce, organization. to introduce sex, drugs, and rock and roll to America as a distraction after, you know, the, the Kennedy assassination, ramping up of uh, the, the U.S. involvement in Vietnam. You introduce well, that, drugs into the culture. It's like the opium war. Uh, yeah. We, we, it's, and it, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the Kennedy assassination because um, that's another... Uh, reason that some people think Paul might have been murdered because he uh, he was really interested in the JFK assassination and believed that you know it was an inside job and uh, I think there was someone who was um, writing a book about the, the assassination 
and um, they were going to adapt it to film. I think the the author of the book was writing the screenplay, and they they asked Paul if he'd do the score for the movie. Um, and I don't think he ended up doing it because whether or not he he was killed before he could, and the new Paul came in. But ah. it's just in, it's just interesting because there would have been so much attention drawn to this film if you know if Paul did the score. No matter what the topic is, Beatles fans would have wanted to see it just because he was involved. Right? 100% so it exposure. would have drawn so much attention to this. You know this theory that the JFK assassination uh, right. was, and, was, you know, CIA or, or whatever. And keeping in mind, this was the mid-60s. Uh, Warren Commission came out in September of 64. So only, to, you know, for McCartney uh, to put his weight behind a documentary about the Kennedy assassination, you know, only three years after the actual event. Uh, fascinating. Mitch Fillion is with us. Uh, the documentary is called Who Is This Now? A Paul Is Dead film and uh, we'll take a time out come back and continue to explore the paul mccartney is dead legend that endures to this day and we'll uh, we'll find out who his replacement is or was who is the real sir paul right here on the conspiracy show my name is richard serrett stay with us where there's smoke there's the conspiracy show with richard serrett we are back with mitch fillion toronto area filmmaker the documentary is called who is this now a uh, Paul is Dead film exploring the rumor that Paul McCartney uh, died in a horrific car crash in September 1966 in England and then was replaced by, well, we will fill in that blank in a moment. Uh, before we do that, uh, Mitch, how can people see the film? Um, you can go to neardeathfilms.com, um, and there's a couple of my films up there for free, uh, for free to watch. Um, you can also just search Who Is This Now on YouTube. I think it's the first one that will pop up, so... Pretty easy to find. Excellent. All right. So um, the uh, the Beetle management, the Brain Trust, uh, have to come up with a replacement for for the uh, the the new uh, or for Paul McCartney, who was mm-hmm. killed in this in this car crash. Uh, so there's a scene in the uh, in your documentary. You're in a record shop again, and they I guess you had to special order these LPs uh, from a a band I wasn't familiar with. Was it were they, was it um, uh, Billy Bill- Pepper and the Pepper Pot? Billy Pepper and the Pepper Pots. Yeah, so uh, legend has it is that uh, the singer of that band, Bill Shepard, was was the replacement because there's there's not really much you can find on this guy, and you know the the name aligns with the Sergeant Pepper, Billy Pepper, and then you also have um, in the Sergeant Pepper song, we want to introduce you to Billy Shears. So some people think Shears is just a play on Shepherd because Shepherds shear sheep, and there you go, you and. Know. So the Pepper Pots, what were they? Just kind of a knockoff British invasion band? Exactly, yeah. Just uh, riding the the fame of the Beatles and just playing songs in their style. And uh, almost like a, a Clatu album, very little biographical information on the back. And for a time, people thought Clatu was the, re- uh, the reformed Beatles. Remember that? Yeah, for sure. That's funny that you mentioned Clatu because my last film is uh, called Calling Occupants. A reference to Clatu. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see, the uh, the synchronicities never stop in this program. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Billy Shepherd of uh, the Bill Pepper and the Pepper Pots becomes uh, number one suspect as the as the replacement for Paul. Now, describe his physicality. Does he resemble uh, Paul McCartney? Yeah, some people think that he's um, uh, three to six inches taller. Um, and you know he has a longer face and um, uh, maybe different earlobes, different 
eyebrows. Uh, and older, too, about five years older. Yeah, different color eyes, and the teeth are different, and the original Paul had a smaller palate. There was this whole um, forensic study done of the photos by um, these Italian forensic scientists, and it was released in, uh, you know, Wired magazine. There's right. an Italian version, Wired magazine Italia, and they actually set out to prove that it was the, uh, the same guy and put this whole thing to bed. But um, turns out, you know, they, what they found was the complete opposite, that it, was, it couldn't be the same guy, which is very interesting. So, and... and Billy Shepard again is is five years older uh, than than uh, the original Paul, which would make uh, him seventy nine now because Paul McCartney is supposedly seventy four, born in nineteen forty two. Which, if it, if that's true, that's pretty impressive. He's still out there touring. <laughs> he is. He is. So uh, let's let's uh, talk then about um, some of the clues. So if he dies in sixty six, which is when they were making uh, Revolver, which is a spectacular album, hard to believe that's fifty years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still I listen to the harmonies and the bass line on "And Your Bird Can Sing," and I'm thinking, my God, what planet did these guys fr- come from? <laughs> when you think about their contemporaries in the British invasion, and we're still doing sort of yeah, 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 and For then sure. and then you hear that song, it's they were fifty years ahead of their time. Uh, anyway, so. Then the new album comes out in '67, which is Sgt. Pepper. Yep. Um, and and when did um, Magical Mystery Tour come out? In late '66. Uh, I'm not too sure. I think it was late '66. It's funny. I I wasn't a big Beatles fan before making this movie, and then <laughs> I do you know diving right into all this Paul's dead, uh, all the Paul's dead clues. I've just uh, become a bigger fan. It's just very uh, very cool mystery surrounding the Beatles that I've now realized. Indeed, and then it sucked you in, and you became so familiar with the music. How could you not become... But there's, there's uh, still albums that I need to, you know, the White Album, I haven't given too many rotations yet, so... All right, so let's let's walk through, we mentioned some of them briefly, uh, walk through the uh, the clues, the death clues on Sgt. Pepper's uh, album, which is really revolutionary for a number of reasons, as you point sure. out. Typically, was it the first album with liner notes? Yes, it was. Okay. And also the record sleeves. I remember, you know, they, they, that was just kind of a throwaway. It was just a plain yeah, white, a white little envelope, sort of. Uh, and then along comes Sergeant Pepper with the liner notes and, and illustrations and and so forth. Okay, so where do you want to begin with the death clues on on Sergeant Pepper? So um, the Paul is dead researchers believe that the the cover is basically a grave site for Paul, right? Because you have that huge mound of dirt in the front, right? Beetles written in flowers, and then you have a left-handed base that's made out of flowers that's on the cover there. Um, and then you have the kick drum, which is essentially, I think, the, the kind of the headstone for the grave. And that's where, you know, if you mirror the, the letters, Lonely Hearts, it becomes the 1-1-X, one, one he die. Right, so on radio, the challenge is to sort of help people visualize that. So if you take a straight-edge mirror mm-hmm. and you hold, and you sort of cut the bass drum in half by holding the mirror up to it, sort of perpendicular to the album cover... What you've done then is you've cut the letters of of uh, on the bass drum in half, and then the uh, the letters on the album plus the reflection spell out something entirely different, mm-hmm. and and that is what. Yes, the one one X he die. And the other interesting thing that I found is if you go into the liner notes, um, it says the kick kick drum was designed by Joe F. Grave, and this guy doesn't exist. People have tried to find out who this guy was, and it's just a made up name. So in my mind, his last name, F. Grave, is just a combination of epitaph and grave. Right. Okay. 
And so again, the the kick drum one one x he die meaning one one means eleven x yep. is nine. So the eleventh day of the ninth month, and uh, so 1966. Yeah, and also another way to interpret it, um, if if you're not thinking about it, it, it could very well be the date, but it could also be one one x meaning like there's three remaining Beatles and one is xed out, like he's dead, right? Right. Um, right. So there's two interpretations. Yeah. Okay, and. Um, Paul well, is also the only one holding a black instrument on the cover, which right. is kind of interesting. They're all, you know, the rest are brass. And then on the back cover, Paul's facing away from the camera. And I can talk about, uh, later on, I can talk about how I interpret all these clues as maybe something other than Paul is dead. Ah. I've, I've come around to a, a different realization, but I think we should hold that off until the end. For sure, absolutely. We do the reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. We're going to bury the lead here. <laughs> no, and uh, we're and also then, burying so, Paul, so... And then moving on to uh, the Let It Be cover, um, you, ha- you have the four photos uh, of them on the cover, right. and um, George, John, and Ringo all have white backgrounds, and Paul has the, the bloody red background, so that's kind of an interesting clue. Ah, okay, I'll have to pull out my, uh, my milk crate and take a look at that album again, because mm-hmm, I, for it's sure. been a while. Uh, all right, but there's still more on the Sgt. Pepper album, as I recall. Is In the liner notes, there's... Um, George Harrison, I think, is pointing to a particular line. Yeah, he's pointing to a date. I think it's like Wednesday morning at 5 o'clock. Okay. And then um, the certain songs on that album uh, contain some backmasking and so forth, but uh, the um, we I sort of alluded to A Day in the Life, which is from that album. For sure, we can uh, talk about that one. Yeah, and and it's the, the line, you know, it's pretty overt. Um but you you walk us through some of the death clues in A Day in the Life. For sure. So on on the surface, that song is actually about Tara Brown, who is heir to the Guinness Fortune. Right. Um, so it, it, he died in a car car accident, and uh, you know the Beatles were all really good friends with him. Paul flew in this guy's private jet. Like this guy was, you know, he hung out with Jimi Hendrix, so uh, they knew him well. Um, so John writes this song about you know reading reading the newspaper that Tara has died, and um, you have the verse, uh, he blew his mind out in a car, he didn't notice that the lights had changed. A crowd of people stood and stared, um, but no, nobody was really sure if he was from the House of Lords. So his dad was a member of the House of Lords, so right, that's right. how you know it's about Tara Brown. But the interesting thing is that when you hear them sing it on the record, it actually sounds like House of Paul. So... Right, and once you hear part. it, you can. It's one of those things. I, there's a there's a psychological term for it, but once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Yeah, for sure. The power of suggestion, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other interesting thing is that when Sir Paul uh, was interviewed about this song in in more recent years, he said, um, "I was." He, he's like, "I didn't know it was about Tara. I wasn't, you know, attributing it to Tara. I thought it was about a politician." So it's just <laughs> kind of weird that. He wouldn't know it was about Tara Brown when his best friend John is, you know, writing this song about their other friend that died. It just seems very fishy, and and I almost think that when he says it was about a Paul Titian, he might, he, right. you know, he might be giving us a, a play on words. Well, there. Sir Paul is known to be coy at times. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, so, any other um, clues on on Sergeant Pepper we we need to discuss before we move on to others? Uh, no, I don't think so. We can we can talk a bit about some of the people that are on there later. Right. Oh, some I know. The there's, a, there's a scene in the movie, A Magical Mystery Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on this bus, and uh, Paul is sitting there in this multicolored sweater, 
and um, he, he says something kind of unusual uh, to somebody. Um, yeah, he, I think he says, um, I'm 30, but I look a little younger due to the Fair Isle sweater, which I'm wearing. And so in the Paul is Dead legend, you know, this William Shepard guy is Scottish. So uh, it's a Scottish, you know, the Fair Isles or Scotland. Um, so, yeah, it's just a little fishy that, you know, he'd say he's 30, but he looks a little younger due to the Fair Isle sweater that he's wearing. So right. it's kind of, you know, the real Paul would have only been 25 during the filming of the movie. So it's like, why did he say he was 30? Was that a clue that he was dropping? Right. Because it's just a very, you know, it's just very kind of cryptic, like talking about this Fair Isle sweater. Indeed, it yes. It could just be a coincidence, but it's, it's a little strange. Well, yeah, why drop that in there? The, the, uh, now, back to the Sgt. Pepper album. Of course, um, with a little help from my friends and, and Sgt. Pepper, they say, I'd like to introduce to, to you the one and only Billy Shear. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting thing is, uh, this, this is the, the album in which all of the Beatles, for the first time, are wearing facial hair. Yeah, some uh, people think that was kind of to cover up that, or to, to distract from, um, you know, the changes in Paul. Oh, you know, he, he's uh, he's lost weight, he has a mustache, of course he's going to look a little different. And uh, just by, like, association, you know, the other three Beatles are there, so it must be Paul. Like, the, he's the remain, you know, the remaining Beatle, that's got to be Paul. Exactly. Uh, now, there's a, uh, I'm not sure if it was the... F- a film shoot for Magical Mystery Tour where they're all decked out in their white tuxedos doing kind of a, a soft shoe routine and they're they're wearing carnations. Yeah, they're uh, all three of the other Beatles are wearing red carnations and uh, Paul has a black one, so some people think that was signifying that, you know, Paul's dead kind of clue there. Very funereal. Um, and there was kind of a, a very lame ex, uh, ex- explanation as to why he had the black one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He said uh, they ran out of red carnations, which is kind of funny because, yeah, I think you have to dye dye the carnations black, right? They're unnatural. I don't think I don't think they'd just be sitting around there. And and then I think there's actually like a girl holding a bouquet of flowers in the scene, and there's red carnations in there. So it just seems like a a dumb excuse. Yeah, a bouquet of dead flowers. Yeah, very funereal to be sure. Uh, so again, the Sgt. Pepper album is there. There's the subtext here is that they are introducing to fans the new Paul McCartney, and it's his name is Billy Shear or Billy Shepherd, mm-hmm. uh, who they grabbed from uh, Billy Pepper and the Pepper Pots, which was yep. this knockoff band. Um, yeah, they used to cover uh, a Beatles song on each side of all their records, right. so you can you can hear those, and you can definitely does sound like an old, you know like a Paul McCartney singing. Um, whoever's doing it is doing a good impersonation, that's for sure. Well, here's the thing that, that uh, and we can discuss, you know, at the end of this, where you fall in terms of whether Paul McCartney did die and was replaced by an imposter. Mm-hmm. One of the things, my, my good pal Gary Patterson, who's on the program quite a bit, and, and he wrote The Walrus Was Paul, uh, and sort of debunked the whole Paul is Dead oh, really? uh, okay. mystery. But, but the thing that we always laugh about or discuss anyway is that they managed to find somehow someone who was even more accomplished and more talented than the original Paul. <laughs> and here's the original Paul who wrote, you know, yesterday, arguably one of the greatest songs written in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. But they found a, another left-handed bass player who is just an outstanding songsmith. I mean, mm-hmm. the, what are the odds? You know, they, they could find someone even more talented than the original Paul. We'll, uh, we'll take a time out, come back and discuss... Who is this then? A Paul is Dead film with Mitch Fillion right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. 
Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're back with Toronto area filmmaker Mitch Fillion, and the uh, he calls it a disguised documentary. It's called Who Is This Then? A, a Paul is Dead film, and he's exploring uh, the Paul McCartney uh, is dead legend that um, uh, really sort of got kick-started back in 1969 in August. Uh, a call in um, to a to Russ Gibb, a DJ in Detroit, I believe, uh, and that really took over the show. This was a um, uh, Mitch, I believe Russ's show was a, mu- a music format, but didn't they end up opening up the phone lines and they started? To, they turned it into a talk show that night, and I think Russ was reprimanded or maybe even fired as a result. I can't remember what oh, exactly wow. what happened. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that, but I would. Uh, I believe it for sure. So, pretty controversial topic. Was there a certain point, I know you went in this, this was kind of a project for you, you weren't, you know, an obsessed Beatle fan at the top, but you sort of became one for the purposes of making this film, but was there a point at which you maybe uh, were sort of on the fence and then about whether the rumor was true, and then was there a piece of evidence that maybe sort of clinched it for you one way or the other? Um, I, you know, I'd wake up every other day and be like, oh, he's for sure dead. And then the next day I'd find some more clues and be like, oh no, he's got to be alive. And so I flip-flopped back and forth quite a bit, but it just seemed, um, you know, after about four months of intensely researching this, uh, on all my, you know, spare, in all my spare time and making this film, the, the, yeah, there was just a point looking at some of these photo comparisons, um, not not going by the ones online. I actually bought some photo books, um, so I, you, you know there's no photo manipulation going on, or at right. least you hope, because they're sold independently of of the Beatles. They're just you know uh, released by some of the photographers. Um, so yeah, comparing a lot of the the photos from 1966 with ones in 1967 and 69, it's just it's just it looks like the same guy. Like I just don't see. Um, them doing plastic surgery on someone else and having him, you know, be able to write songs just as well, or some argue better than the original Paul, it just uh, seemed unlikely. <laughs> so you, and, the, the, the photographic comparisons, to your mind, are not compelling enough? No, evidence. because, you know, the, he, he used to have bangs that covered his eyebrows, and then he kind of shortened up his bangs, and he grew a mustache, and I think... A lot of the weight loss can be attributed to him. Um, he took LSD about four times in the in the span of time that they were out of the public eye, where allegedly the the car crash happened. Right. Um, so you know, he actually said in an interview, um, like more recently, like Sir Paul said that uh, you know when all the other Beatles had tried LSD and he was kind of you know still on the fence about whether or not he wanted to try it. John was talking about how. When you take LSD, it totally changes you, and you're never the same person again. And Paul was talking about how that terrified him, that idea, and John actually loved the idea. And so, you know, maybe that some there's a bit of that that's sort of true. Is that you know he took LSD and he t- totally changed. Maybe he became more artsy, and maybe he wanted to stand out as this new band leader. And that could be a lot of um, the clues that people are seeing is Paul just trying to stand out, or his new found interest in the occult, because um, you have Aleister Crowley on the cover. Right. We also have the death of Brian Epstein in 67, um, yep. which obviously weighed very heavily on all of the Beatles. They were, it was a very close relationship, so that For may sure. have had something to do with it. Uh, also, I don't know about the timeline when McCartney became 
uh, an avowed vegetarian, that may play into the weight loss as well. Right. Um, and then also just, you know, the, the fact that the, the enormous pressure that they had decided at this point they're going to stop touring and become essentially a studio band. And oh, exactly, that yeah. may have, that may have played into the, the physical changes. People do change yeah, I think, sometimes. I think he wanted to reinvent, uh, the band at that point, right? They had, uh, this opportunity kind of just to spend a lot more time in the studio and not have to worry about how are we going to play these songs live. You know, they could experiment with orchestras and right. do lots of weird stuff. Here's the thing, um, when we, we, we talk about whether it was Bill Shepard that may have replaced, uh, the original Paul McCartney. So, then we have to find out, well, what happened to Bill Shepard uh, from Bill, Billy Pepper and the Pepper Pots? Right. I mean, he must have a timeline that continues. What happened to the real Bill Shepard? Uh, I don't think there's much you can find out about him. I mean, and it's it's tough because Bill Shepard is probably a pretty common name, and I think there there was another producer named Bill Shepard, so it's really hard to... Um differentiate between the two and but he was a real person and he was he was a recording artist and the must yeah i don't i don't think there's anything out there really that says he died or he's still alive he just kind of dropped off the map so that's i think that's why people have latched on to him as maybe being um that that's fascinating you know it, i don't know if you saw the documentary i think it's called looking for sugar man uh oh, yeah. about this recording that. artist rodriguez and um uh, how difficult it was for the filmmaker to track him down because mm. again very little biographical information maybe that's what someone needs to you know put their resources behind trying to find uh, the real bill shepherd because that might be sort of the holy grail that unravels this whole mystery we'll take a time out mitch fillion is uh, with us the uh, the film is called who is this now and it is a uh, paul is dead film uh, back with more of our discussion right here on the conspiracy show Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Paul McCartney, did he blow his mind out in a car? He didn't notice that the lights had changed and expired in September of 1966, replaced by uh, either Bill Shepard or Bill Campbell, uh, a Scotsman uh, in either case, but uh, the money seems to be on Bill Shepard, who uh, fronted a band called Billy Pepper and the Pepper Pots, and uh, and then perhaps Sergeant Pepper took their name from that band, and that was the sort of the coming out party for. Uh, let me introduce to you the one and only Billy Shear, uh, which is kind of a play on words, Shepherd Shear Sheep. So that was Billy Shepherd. Uh, I don't know, uh, Mitch, if you've seen on YouTube, there is. Some, I was hosting Coast to Coast one night, and someone tipped me onto this, so I, I looked it up when I got home. There's a there's someone who looks all the world like Paul McCartney, but an older version. In fact, he looks more like Paul McCartney should look at this age than the present Paul does. Uh, and he's, Is it the custodian? To uh... Yes, he's standing yeah. in front of Paul's um, uh, home, boyhood home in Liverpool, and explaining a sort of, the sound is turned down, so I can't, uh, in, the, in this clip that I saw, so I, I really can't tell what he's talking about, but have you have you seen the clip and what do you make of it? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, he was the former custodian, I think, to Paul McCartney's childhood home, which is kind of weird that you'd have someone that uh, looks more like you'd suspect the young Paul to look like as an older person. Um, but uh, I I know a few people who have actually run into him uh, in London that I've kind of corresponded with, and they're like, oh, well, if you see him in person, he doesn't really look that much like Paul and that sort of thing. And, really? 
Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to check that one over myself because I don't know it's how. It's suspicious for sure. Oh, it's it's uncanny. If anyone's, uh, you know, check this out on YouTube. And I I don't know what with the Google search I used. I guess just a McCartney lookalike or something in YouTube, mm-hmm. and it's uncanny. I mean, again, he looks more like Paul McCartney uh, did, but an older version than than the present Sir Paul. All right, we we should t- spend some time then talking about. Um, uh, you know why you think the Beatles did this? If let's assume that uh, that Paul McCartney did not die in 1966, uh, uh, why would they go to all this trouble uh, to do this and then not sort of reveal at some point uh, that this was just a, a big hoax? Well, I think that uh, you know, seeing as we have that um, the rumor posting in the the February edition of the Beatle magazine in 1966. We know that the Beatles were aware of this rumor um, because of the car crash with the the Moroccan student who crashed uh, crashed Paul McCartney's um, Mini Cooper, and it was a customized one, so it was very recognizable that it was Paul's. And, you know, this guy was rushed to the hospital, and people saw this crashed, um, you know, Mini Cooper, so they, they just assumed it was Paul and that he was dead, so... So this rumor was out there even before Sgt. Pepper. So it seems to me that, um, you know, in the media, John was always kind of known as like the artsy beetle and the, the avant-garde beetle, and Paul was kind of the cutesy one, right? Right. And But in actuality, Paul was the one that was like hanging out with William Burroughs, and he was um, friends with, the, you know, the uh, Indica Gallery crowd and Robert Frazier. Um, so I think at some point he just wanted to, you know, step into the limelight as the new band leader and say, like, I'm the artsy one and that sort of thing. So I think a lot of the Paul is Dead clues are just um, misinterpreted. Um, him just, you know, wanting to say, hey, look at me, like, I'm the artsy one. So him him turning his back on the camera on the back cover could just be that, you know. Um, but I think they might have even just wanted to play with some of these Paul is Dead clues, just thinking, oh, this is kind of a cool idea for a concept album. And then maybe as, you know, the hysteria or the, the mania grew, they just, uh, they just kept up with it because it, I think it helped with album sales. I mean, Abbey Road, when it, when it came out in, uh, was it 69? Yeah. 69 or something. Yeah. So it wasn't even doing that well. It wasn't selling many copies because it was a bit more money than I think albums would usually go for, apparently. But then after this Russ Gibb radio show where they talk about all these Paul's dead clues on the cover, you know, he's barefoot and and it's kind of this funeral procession. Um, they started selling millions of copies. So hard uh, to imagine that uh, any Beatle issue had had uh, trouble selling. I wasn't aware of that, that sales of uh, Abbey Road were lagging, and then along comes this phone call to Russ Gibbs. So what do you think, was, were these callers to these stations, were they, were they employees of EMI? What, what do you think? Who, no, who were I, they? I don't know. I don't know if it was just people finally caught on, or, or maybe, yeah, maybe some of them were tipped off. Um, it's hard to say, but I guess we can just speculate. Um, but still, but it, it could, could also be that they're what they were, you know, planting all these clues, and and it got to the point where they're they're just kind of bummed that no one was picking up on them. Maybe I don't know. Um, so so the prior to '69, then um, the you, we didn't hear much about the Paul is dead rumors. Is that the idea? 
Uh, no, because there was just that one in the Beatle magazine, and right. we didn't really... I mean, I think that was, you know, the people that got the magazine were just the ones that were in the fan club or whatever. Right. So I right. don't think it, it didn't make, like, you know, national news. <laughs> that would have been Bill Harry, um, his magazine, I believe. He, okay. He published, uh, I'm guessing, I don't know, uh, uh, Mercy Beat magazine and, and uh, published all the sort of the authorized Beatle biographies. Bill Harry, good friends of uh, both Paul and John and, and attended um, the Liverpool Art College uh, with both of them. Um, but then, the, then you look at the backmasking in the music, uh, mm-hmm. and how, I mean, unless it's just coincidence, in order to get those messages to make sense backwards, you really have to do some sort of lyrical gymnastics when you're writing it forwards. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. Yeah, if you reverse any, any song you hear on the radio and trying, you try to hear like a full sentence in reverse, it's, it's never gonna happen. No. So, I think a lot of these that you are finding were, were put there on purpose um, because they they're some of them are just perfectly clear. Sometimes they even sound clearer than the the forward lyrics do. Right, right. Um, Can you give us some examples of some of the backmasking? Give us the song title, the album, and then what the actual line is, if you can. Yeah, there's um, in Revolution Number no. Nine, which yes. was a John Lennon tune. Uh, when they say Number Nine, Number Nine, you reverse it and it says Turn Me On, Dead Man, Turn Me On, Dead Man. Right, that's a classic example. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the lesser-known ones, which is my favorite, was actually on a George Harrison solo record. And this one, it, uh, there's no doubt in my mind it was on purpose, because it's just it's too perfect. Uh, it's the song um, Johnny's Birthday, or It's Johnny's Birthday. And you reverse the chorus, and it says, He never wore his shoes. We all know he was dead. Oh, my gosh. All that lo- that, that's a long line to be yeah, in a exactly. backmasking. He and never wore awesome. his shoes. We all knew he was dead. Yep. What, uh, what solo album is that? I'm not too sure. This is George yeah. Harrison's solo yeah, album. George Harrison. Okay. Um, I knew he made, he, he released kind of an, an electronic, um, instrumental album in the 60s, uh, around 1968. And then after the, then after the, the Beatles broke up, uh, you know, all things must pass and living in the material world and texture. Right. So it may have been on one of those. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's a very short song. It's gotta be less than a minute long. Okay. Um, and then another one, um, Blue Jay Way yes. uh, by Harrison. Uh, the chorus, when it's reversed, it uh, changes to Paul is bloody. So it's normally, I think, uh, please don't be long. Right. And then you reverse it, it's Paul is bloody. <laughs> wow. Um, there's one at the end of Day in the Life, if you let the record kind of play out. Um, there's a bit of silence, and then you hear this kind of weird lyric playing forward that says never could be any other way mm-hmm. yes. never could be any other way and then you reverse that and it says but we'll all be magic supermen mm. and, then, and it's talking about magic with a k like the dark magic of right right Alice, yeah, Alice Crowley. Crowley exactly yeah. fascinating um gary getting back to my my buddy gary patterson and i i, I credit him on air because these are his ideas not mine uh, and and he um he talks about one of the reasons why after putting all these clues in there, and agrees with you, it was a marketing thing, mm-hmm. very clever marketing thing. Uh, the reason that they didn't reveal was, think about what was happening in 1969. Charlie Manson um, was making this excuse that you know he was hearing these secret messages from you know Helter Skelter and this. Right. Uh, so imagine what would have happened if the Beatles all of a sudden were to come out and admit, yeah, we were putting secret messages in there. They, they would be almost culp- they would they would sound culpable in the uh, 
the Tate LoBianca murder. Oh, for sure. That's it would have been a, it would have been the end of the band. Mm-hmm. So that may be the reason why they just said, okay, you know, yes, we did it, but you know, mum's the word. We can't even bring this up again ever. Right. Do you think that has any credence? Oh, for sure, definitely. So, what has the the um, the response been to your film thus far? Um, from Beatle fans, from 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 Paul is uh, the Paul is dead uh, adherents, the people that believe he's actually gone. Yeah, well, the the Paul is dead uh, crowd um, seemed to be a bit angry that you know I I leave it kind of a bit more open ended, or I, my character kind of comes around to believing that it must be the same guy, and it was you know just this marketing thing. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to, you know, get, open the conversation back up because all these, the Paul is dead researchers are so, they're 100% that he died. Like, you know, when, when they talk to me, they're like, they hate, they hate Paul, the new Paul. Right. And they, they look at the original Paul as this, like, saint. And it's really funny. Like, it's just, it's the same guy and they have this love-hate relationship for, you know, the two different versions of him. It's an amazing subculture, isn't it? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but yeah, it's been a great response from uh, a lot of a lot of uh, big Beatles uh, fans that I know uh, just didn't even know about this whole thing. So it's um, it's been cool exposing a lot of a lot more people to it. That is hard to imagine. <laughs> there are Beatles fans out there who yeah. don't know about the Paul is dead rumor. I know it's an interesting psychological uh, phenomenon that, uh, that a rumor, and this is pre-internet. Now. Today we have, uh, you know, rumors that are floated on the internet, and uh, you know they spread at the speed of light. Uh, but think about this: back in '69, pre-internet, word of mouth, people calling into an FM music station, uh, and this legend has been able to persist uh, for so long. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts as to as to why that is? The psychological or sociological phenomena at play here. Uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I feel like they're, Paul's still kind of feeding this, uh, this myth as well. Um, there's some interesting interviews that he's given uh, throughout the years where he's just almost talking about being two people. Like, I, I can read you a few here if you're yeah, interested I'd love here. To. Um, so there's one here. Uh, In a way, I think of Paul McCartney as him. I do wake up some mornings and think, Jesus Christ, am I really that guy? Is this the same body I'm inhabiting? It is quite strange. Hmm. And then another one, um, I'm very good at forgetting who I am, because as far as I'm concerned, Paul McCartney is a name I was given. I didn't really do all that. It's like a dream, really. It's going to stop soon. Um, okay, here's another one. Uh, I look in the mirror and just think, in in this shell, am I the guy I've read so much about? I don't know whether it's a schizo thing. Paul McCartney is like the successful bit of, bit of it all that I'm very proud of. But, you know, I don't imagine I am him because otherwise I would just blow my head off. <laughs> uh, and then, sorry, one more. This one's, I, I find this one quite funny. Uh, they shouldn't be paying me this money. I'm, you know, I'm not him. I'm some, kind, I'm some kid masquerading as this guy who's, you know, this famous guy. And I'm the clone, you know? <laughs> like, wow. Well, so. he was either being you know very sincere in like you know he often described himself as a conduit and many musicians do i didn't write this stuff it just came to me i'm the conduit he may have been talking sincerely about that or he may have just been coy as he often is um mitch uh, congratulations on who is this now uh a paul is dead movie and once again quickly how can people uh, see it uh you go to neardeathfilms.com uh you can watch it there or you can search who is this now on youtube 
and I'll be the first one that pops up. All right. Thanks for hanging out, Mitch. I enjoyed this. Yeah, no problem. It was a lot of fun. Thanks Mitch, for having me. Mitch Fillion. Uh, my website is strangeplanet.ca, and uh, please say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T, as always, follow the truth.